The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, for this weekly exploration of NDEs and related mystical experience. Uh, you can join this show on Mondays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, or catch it later on our website at nderadio.org. On last week's show, I did a monologue on how important it is for the world at large for, for people to talk about their near-death experiences. Some 15 million Americans, it's estimated, uh, have had NDEs or similar experiences, but uh, few, comparatively speaking, want to talk about it. Well, it's always been our hope that NDE Radio would begin to change that situation. And for the ris- our listeners who uh, feel ready to let the rest of us know what they've learned from the other side, uh, here's the number to call for this edition of NDE Radio, this call-in show. It's 888 888- Four six three six seven four eight. That's eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. And I hope you will call. Um, whether you've had an NDE, a similar mystical experience, or if you're just who uh, would like to talk about that. In the meantime, I am going to pull from the files of um, the International Association for Near Death Studies uh, some of our monthly uh, NDEs. One of the big advantages of being a member of INS is that um, uh, Ann Ellis puts together, um, pulls from our files, a uh, an NDE of the month. And it goes out uh, by email to everyone who's uh, a member. And so I'm going to read a few of these to you because they, they are fascinating. Uh, this one is uh, was the August 2014 selection. And uh, I'll just start start from the beginning. These are all anonymous to protect the... Uh, protect the identity of the, of the experiencer unless they wish to communicate uh, that information. My experience, he writes, was of being killed in a tra- tractor accident when I was 15 years old and becoming a spirit, standing next to my uncle as he kept driving the tractor, not knowing I was pulled into the wheel and axle of the farm tractor. He was driving while watching the potato rows so as not to run over them. Well, When I heard a voice on my left side call out his name, he stopped the tractor and got off to go around looking at the sprayers, and the whole time I am just watching him. Next thing I know, he's calling out my name and then discovering my body wrapped up around the the axle. From there, I have blackout moments of him carrying carrying my body, me watching them merge into the body and, and talking to him as he is carrying my body out of the potato field, then to the truck, and to the hospital. Then I woke up in a room in the hospital to hear the doctor saying, it's a miracle I'm alive, but they have to amputate my leg. I really woke up then and felt for my leg and told the doctor there's no way he's going to take my leg, and so they didn't. Um, They said I would be dead by now, and here I am four years past my due date of dying, uh, so I live on until death kills me again. And I did. The second time I died was truly an amazing experience. I was burned to death in a gasoline fire, and there was a nurse there the whole time trying to save my life. I ended up calling out to God to bring me to heaven, and he did, and I felt my spirit leave the 
body and go through the ceiling and up into space. At first, it was dark and silent, and I felt like a balloon floating upwards. I was excited. I didn't feel the pain of being skinned alive and cooked to death at the same time. Then all of a sudden, I heard voices, a lot of them at first. They were crying, and I got concerned, wondering who they were and why they were crying and why am I hearing it. Then I noticed I was still flying upwards and that the voices were getting farther and fainter and fewer. The further I got, the less I could hear. Then came one voice, and clearly she said, I love you. Then it went silent. At first, I could feel myself turning to my left as I was leaning my head back toward where I heard the voice come from. But then I remembered the pain I felt, and I turned back forward and away from the earth. It was still nothing but darkness as I traveled away from the earth. I can think and feel comfort, and I wasn't worried about the fact that everything was just dark and peaceful. All of a sudden, I see a speck of light. Then, as if I blink to, I see a, a wall of starlights, and then I am one of, then I am in them, and I feel as if I have stopped, just floating in space. I feel as if I have a smile from ear to ear, and I looked around and saw all the stars around me, and I think, I don't need air or water, hot or cold. I'm in space, and I'm at peace, and the serenity of being there was truly heavenly. Next thing I know, I noticed the star getting bigger and brighter than all the others, and I desired it to be the star of my next life, and I was getting even more excited to see and be a part of it, and it was getting bigger and brighter, even faster, and I'm wondering, is it moving toward, am I moving toward it, or is it moving toward me? So I looked around to see the other stars were a blur, and I, I knew it was me moving towards the star to be the star of my next life, and I even got more excited when all of a sudden I feel someone come up from behind me, placing his hands under my arms, and picking me up, and I felt uh, to be a child of two or three, and, and I giggled and laughed like air pockets in a plane or the sudden drop of a roller coaster ride. I giggled and laughed as, as if I felt uh, being pulled away from the star of my next life. I could feel myself being drawn in and carried like a baby in our father's arms, and I was at comfort and at peace, and I went right to sleep. When I woke up, I could see my lower half of the my lower half was a ghost, and I was merging into a body, and I, I thought I was coming to life in physical heaven, and I was excited to be part of it. And as my ghost was complete, com, um, completing into the body, I could feel myself take a deep breath to start my life. And I sat up and looked around and saw I was alone, and I, I wondered where all the other angels were. I got off the bed and went looking for them, and when I found them, they screamed and shouted at me that I was a ghost and to get away, so... I walked outside and saw it was night outside, and I saw the shadows of the trees and looked up and saw the stars in the night sky and remembered being there, and I looked back down wondering, what is this place where I am? where I am? Then this guy came walking up to me to say I was dead a long time, and the ambulance was on its way to take my body to the morgue. He kept asking me what it was like being dead so long. I then asked him if this was heaven, and he said no, and started to really get excited to want to know what heaven was like, and I got more worried to want to know what is this place and why it wasn't heaven. Then all of a sudden, my girlfriend at the time came out and told me to come on. We're going to the hospital. I was afraid I would go back into shock before the ambulance was going to get there. She drove me to go meet the ambulance, and we ended up in the hospital, and they wanted to skin graft my body, but I wouldn't let them and asked how I could heal on my own. And so aloe and burn bandages were my best friends for two years. And I don't have any scars, and I was covered in burns from head to ankles. It's been 21 years now. I have nothing but memories of that night. I was 27 years old.
at the time. I'm amazed as you hear these stories, you begin to realize uh, how individual they can be, how um, totally personal they can be, and at the same time, they can have um, universal um, ingredients that uh, make them uh, very believable because of the confirmation of uh, what is seen on the other side. If you'd like to call in, it's 888-463-6748. All right. No calls yet, so let me go on to another story. But feel free to call at any time, um, and uh, Dave will answer the phone, and he'll uh, hold you right there until uh, until I can talk to you. This is one that comes from the uh, December 22nd. Uh, 2014 experience uh, of the month. When I was a child, the writer wrote to us, I was hit by a truck after getting off the school bus. I remember looking up at a crowd of people staring down at me in shock. The paramedic ripping my jeans to see my right leg was broke. A broken femur, six cracked ribs, Punctured lungs and barely hanging on. What happened next is hard to put into words. I saw the ambulance drive off with my body on it. My spirit was out and free and in no pain at all. I had a short but fast life review that I hardly remember, except I knew what it was about and that it scared me that my life was about to end. I was rushed to the hospital where I woke up in darkness that night. I couldn't speak or move as tubes were coming up my nose and down my throat and my leg was in thought I was in hell. I was so terrified until a nurse cracked the door open, spilling light into the room, telling me I was in an accident and needed to go back to sleep and rest. The next day, my family was surrounding my bed and a priest was kneeling beside me, giving me uh, last rites and praying on the rosary. I was instantly above my body looking down at myself. I was feeling bad about how awful I looked and how sad my family was until I noticed I was traveling fast toward the wall where the wooden cross of Jesus was hung. I went into a huge ball of white light that protected me and brought me to heaven. I could see myself skipping, laughing, and holding a man's strong hand. I looked up and saw Jesus wearing a white flowing gown and sandals. He made me feel so loved and I was so excited to go where he was taking me. He told me, it's time you have to go back. I wanted to throw myself down and have a tantrum and cry in disbelief. I didn't want to leave him. Unfortunately, I ended back in the hospital above my dash body again, upset around the room like a racquetball wanting to hit the ground. I was fighting to not go back as hard as I could until pop. I was suctioned into my chest area with no choice but to surrender. Ever since my accident, I have not felt the same, and I still long to return to heaven. And that was a experiencer that uh, was reported in the December 2014 uh, monthly NDE. Let me give you the phone number again. 
in case you'd like to call in. That number is 88463-6748. And we have a caller on the line. Uh, Kenneth, are you there? Yes, yes, this is Kenneth. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, thank you for calling. Um, what did you want to talk about? Um, well, uh, one of the last stories that you read uh, by someone, I guess it was submitted, I don't know how it was done, probably to your office somehow, but they talked about um, being picked up and feeling like a child and feeling the love of God and all that. And that's almost um, exactly the same description that I've written about uh, in my case. Oh, tell us, um, tell us your story. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty long one, but um, believe it or not, mine is very similar to the Burpo story. Um, when uh, I was eight years old, I had appendicitis, and uh, I was kept at home because the symptoms resembled, resembled flu. And um, then when I was finally brought to the doctor, uh, it turned out to be acute, and my appendix had already burst. So there was an emergency operation, and uh, it was it was pretty serious. It took two operations to finally get me back on track. But um, the first operation, when they first discovered that my appendix had burst, um, that was way back in 1963 when this happened. So I'm mm-hmm. 59 years old now. Uh, it was uh, easier back in those days. It was a small town hospital. They didn't have a lot of equipment, so. I was put under with ether, and uh, oh, I could really write a tell you a long story. But bottom line was there was a lot of female influence uh, in my near death. It, I was my eight-year-old self when I got pulled up into heaven. Um, I saw the stars. I saw the tunnel. I know that the stars that I saw going up into the tunnel were actually spirits, and I was one of them. Um, I was inside a bubble or a balloon, as the previous. Uh, story stated, and I was pulled up through a cloud barrier by relatives, and I didn't know any of them. And um, at eight years of age, I didn't have a clue that uh, my family extended beyond my grandparents. It it just wasn't mm. something that we talked about. So I, I was greeted by great-grandparents, and um, it took a while for them to figure out who I was. I had to tell them who my father was. And then we finally made the connection. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I've got pictures of my great-grandparents. I recognized them immediately when I saw the pictures. They were taken back around 1905 is what we figure. And I know that because my my uh, living grandfather, um, he's standing next to them in one of the pictures. And he appears to be about 10 years old. So that'd make it about 1905. But um, wow. I recognize when I saw the pictures, I recognized them immediately. So that was my maternal and paternal great-grandparents that greeted me when I came to heaven. And then as far as the the strong female influence goes, my great-grandmothers, both of them, stayed very close to me and and mothered me, and we talked and we laughed, and it it was a great loving relationship. And then I was told that somebody very special was going to come for me and to not be afraid. And uh, it turned out to be a woman who who had short hair that is 
roughly cut. I remember that. I remember she was wearing a tunic, like like something really ancient. Um, and uh, she, I call her mother. I didn't know what else to call her, but to me, she was the love that she had was so pure. It was like a mother. So I called her mother, and she picked me up, and I became an infant. And then she took me to a place where um, I saw a continuous levels inside a tunnel that went way back. And um, it was explained to me that I belonged to a family that had a very long history and that um, each level going back in that tunnel represented a generation of people before me. And some of them saw standing there. They waved and smiled. Um, Then in the center of the tunnel, there was an extremely bright light. And I was told to stand still while while the light came to me. And then when it did, I was completely enveloped. I felt like I was completely disassembled and put back together at the same time. And that was part of when I felt like an infant and mother was holding me. And I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that she told me who or what <clears throat> what this light was. I don't know if she said it was Jesus. I can't really state that for sure. But it was an extremely powerful entity. And then I saw all the <clears throat> developments of my life up until I was eight years old. And uh, I could probably send you the story if you'd like to read it sometime. I I like to write a little bit, and um, I think it's fairly clear what I'm trying to put across. Um, you might enjoy it. I don't know. I I would love to uh, to read it, and uh, I think uh, the best thing would be for you to submit it to. Um IANDS, and you can find their address at IANDS.org, because they uh, have a massive collection of these stories, and they're being studied all the time. Uh, it's We're really a, a research center in that regard, and uh, these stories are are so important and so precious, you know? And now, the, the, what, one thing you said really caught my attention, because that there were your great-grandparents, to meet you, mm-hmm. but they didn't even know who you were. It's as if uh, spirits can be dispatched, not not even having the full information on why they're going where they're going. Exactly. Um, yeah, the two older women, of course, I don't know. See, I was eight, so they looked older to me, but a 30-year-old person would look old to me at the time. So I, I described them as older, but they had, to, they had to tell me that they were my great-grandparents, that... Um, um, they talked about their kids, and they talked about my living grandparents, and they said, they finally explained, well, we are their parents. And it just dawned on me, oh, yeah, my grandparents used to be young. They had parents, too. Surely they did. And then it finally just soaked in. And then, mm-hmm. then it was like a big celebration, and then all kinds of people wanted to let me know that they knew my father in different ways. I, I think I might have met maybe a couple of his school teachers. Or people that you know he was friendly with that had passed on. Um, just a lot of happiness, a lot of love and appreciation. And I, I think I even detected a little bit of, of problems with my one great grandmother was a, um, she was a homesteader from Denmark, or those great grandparents were, they were homesteaders from Denmark, and there was a little bit of a language barrier. Um, it's, it's strange. Uh, really? 
Yeah, yeah. I could communicate them w- with them well, and it was pretty much all mental. It, you you feel more what people are communicating more than just speech. There's more to it. It's all enveloped in kind of a package, I guess, kind of wrapped up in all that love. But uh, there were times when my great-grandmother actually spoke out, and that was just before I was returned. Um, I was given a choice if I wanted to stay or if I wanted to go back. And then I've, I've read that other, other people have had experiences like when they were children, they were shown a chair. For some reason, a chair or a throne is like a, a piece of the story. Well, I was, I was shown the very same thing. My, my paternal great-grandfather was sitting in a big high-back chair when I met him. And then he actually had me sit in his chair. I thought it was no big deal. Then I was shown a chair that was my own, and I was told that if I could, if I wanted to sit in that chair, I could stay with him forever. But uh, <clears throat> I, I wanted to communicate with my mother first. I had a need to tell her where I was, and they told me that I couldn't do that mm-hmm. unless I went back down to Earth. So I, I chose to go back. And uh, as soon as I entered my body and I felt sickness again. I was kicking myself for doing it because it hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did you tell your uh, your parents about about your experience right away or did you keep it to yourself? Well, I learned to keep it to myself, but right there in the hospital room when I woke up, uh, my living grandparents um, were there. Of course, my mother was there. I don't remember if my dad had made it yet. I think my grandfather was there. But anyway, um, my grandmother was holding my hand. She was a very sweet, you know, little, little lady. And, but boy, she was, she was a good, powerful person. Anyway, um, the first thing I said was, Grandma, I met your mother up in heaven. And it stunned her. Her mouth was kind of hanging open and I can still hear her reaction. And, all the adults in the room, all of a sudden, oh, no, you must have had a dream. You've been terribly sick. It was just a dream. And they're all agreeing with each other and leaving me out because I was just a kid. And I remember feeling really frustrated with everybody that they would do that to me. It's like, I am telling you the truth. There's no there's no question of whether or not you're telling the truth when you're in heaven. They know. But on earth, we have to... We have to hear things, and then we have to fix that for ourselves, and then we have to filter it. And it's we make life a lot more complicated than we need to. Why isn't that but, the truth? Yeah, and so anyway, yeah. Um, what I'll do is <laughs> now. I'll how? And my. Go, go ahead. I was going to. I was just going to say, uh, how do you feel uh, your experience affected your your life? Um, perhaps growing up or, or maybe even more so when you were an adult? Well, um, my childhood wasn't really all that pleasant. Um, in some ways it was beautiful because I could really understand um, the love and the happiness in our family when we got together and we did things as a family, you know, and there was love involved. Like at happy occasions, you know, like Christmas and whatnot. I, I loved being around family in those moments. But then there's the hardships of life that have to be dealt with. And the way children, I, I in particular, had to be coerced to really get involved in life on Earth. I didn't really want to. 
And so I didn't really care for some of my school teachers. I thought they were too harsh. They were too judgmental. And I didn't agree with them. And so I had a stubborn streak of my own. I just wanted to sit and daydream and just go off into things, think about beautiful things that I was interested in. I didn't want to have to stick to the books and read my, my studies and whatnot. And uh, that was terribly frustrating for the adults around me. Um, and uh, I was timid, a lot more timid than I had been before. And in some cases, I got picked on because uh, some of the fellow kids, some of my classmates, they noticed that uh, the adults were having a hard time with me, and you, you weren't supposed to do that when you were a kid. So I, I was a target. And uh, it, it was a bit of trouble for me for a while, but thankfully, um, my living grandparents were the ones that really kind of came to save the day. My grandmother in particular, uh, the one that held my hand when I woke up, uh, she was the one I think that understood the most that all I really needed was a little bit of kindness and a little bit of space. And then um, I loved being around her. And then whenever I was, I liked talk about family and family history and where my grandparents came from and what did they experience when they were children. All those kinds of things really became important. And so now at 59 years of age, uh, both my parents are gone, and of course my grandparents are as well. I've inherited all the old documents from our family, our immediate family. I've, I've got the old photos, the old documents. I've got. I've just sort of been identified as the family historian. And um, it, it seems like whenever those things come up, somebody finds them in a closet or whatever, well, let's give it to Ken, and uh, he'll hang on <laughs> to it. <laughs> <laughs> so really, then, your experience uh, demonstrated that there's a spiritual uh, and an eternal connection uh, in amongst family members. So this must have heightened your interest in, in being the family historian. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, that when Mother came to me, or the, the special woman, I was told to not, not be afraid. You know, when she took me back to look at the tunnel, she basically said, "You belong to a family that has a very long history." And she just sort of waved her arm. This tunnel was there, and I could see all these other generations going back and back, and it did go back a long ways. Um, I'm my family name is Danish by heritage. Um, and I guess I've, I've been to Denmark and, um, I, I picked up a phone book when I was there and my last name, uh, is like everywhere. It's just as common as Smith is to us here in the United States. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, it. <laughs> but the, the thing is our, our family name, I guess you call it what a surname. Um, it's not very common mm -hmm. here in the North America. Canada. We're, there's not many of us, not really. Do you, just to get off on, we, we don't have much time left, but do you feel there is reincarnation at all? And if so, does it take place within the same family? I don't know that it takes place in the same family, but I, I can't, um, I can't completely disagree with reincarnation. I think maybe uh, the human race is kind of attached some things to it that make it more complicated than it is. Um, like you got to go back to suffer to purify your soul, for example. Uh, I didn't get that, not at all. Mm. 
It's not, it's not like a punishment. It's, it's the way earth is. I look at it more like, um, God is, is living and existing within the, uh, the rules of the universe, so to speak. Um, that's where he exists. And he created us. We were there with him first. We're extensions of God. Every single one of us. Every human heart is an extension of God. And, um, I guess, uh, a rule of love sometimes is you have to let the people that you love the most, sometimes you have to let them go to demonstrate your love. And that's basically okay. what God has done. I want to thank you, Ken. Uh, we're, we are out of time, but uh, thank you so much for calling in and, and sharing your story with us. And if you uh, if you will, please write it up, and uh, you can email it to IANS, or you can email it to me at uh, my, I think my email is at the talk zone address and uh, unfortunately we have to have to end it there but um, if you'd like to hear this uh, show again or any of uh, the other NDE radio shows they are all archived thanks to talk zone at nderadio.org and for more information on near death experiences and the work of IANS check out our website iands.org And be here next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, for more NDE Radio. Thanks for listening.